welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Leland, another week, another girl's job is filled, this time at Riverheads. Yeah, Caitlin Clark, she's coming back to Greenville to Not that Caitlin coach. Clark. <laughs> not, yeah, not that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, around Riverheads, it is that Caitlin Clark. Uh, she's coming back uh, to coach the girls' basketball team uh, just announced on Monday. And so uh, that'll be great. She was on the staff, I believe, after um, graduations and stuff and uh, under Tim Morris, I believe, under the previous, previous regime. Um, and she's been up, I think, in Maryland since. So she's come back home and that'll be awesome. And uh, a lot of good athletic uh, winning she has had at Riverhead. She was uh, there for a lot of those big runs. Um, so yeah, it'll be great to have her back around. I, I've been really interested in this just because I, I have two girls coming up playing basketball that seem interested to keep on playing. So I was really interested to see who they would hire for this role. And so I'm looking forward to probably getting to know her actually, instead of just, you know, having watched her in the past, uh, play the sports. And, and I think I was probably around watching her coach some, um, as an assistant, it'll be cool to see her in this role. So I, Imagine she'll be around for summer camps and stuff, and then uh, that'll be cool. So one last spot needs to be filled up at Fort Defiance on the girls' side. That was the one that came open the latest uh, because they swapped um, uh, the girls' coach for the boys' coach there. So uh, it makes sense that that's the last one open. But nice to know that you know spot is filled and roll into the summer with all that in place. Yeah, but let's talk about the sports that are going on right now. Let's talk about some high school yeah. softball because yeah. – Buffalo Gap is now kind of in the driver's seat in terms of they only have one district loss. Draft has two district losses after two this week. Yeah, yeah, after a crazy week. And so for Buffalo Gap, um, it it looked like I think last week I had said this is over. Stewart's draft isn't going to drop any games. And then they proceeded to lose two. So, um, I don't know what's look. We said this, right? This was our concern. Even with Stewart's draft being undefeated at the time, I did say this. I thought they would win the district, but I'm worried what happens when they get into region play. And we're starting to see the part two of that equation. That's yeah. not a team that is going to go deep in the region struggling here. Yeah, the top but 2B is too strong for that. That's that's why we would assume that's that's giving credit to what 2B has at the top. When you look up there at Page and Loray and the other teams that are uh, Strasburg that are commonly good in softball, that, that's giving credit to those teams. Um, you know, you know, maybe you think Robbie Tillman's sitting there like, man, I'm I'm glad I can use these losses now and and remotivate. I'm sure he'll he'll turn that every any way he can. I, I'm not surprised they lost in district. I think that's why last week and the week before I was kind of highlighting, wow, they're still undefeated because, you know, getting through gap and riverheads who are both strong and softball, what Fort has been not necessarily this year, but then they lose their first one to Wilson and Wilson's that up and down team all year. I mean, they'll, they'll beat anybody. They'll lose to anybody. And that, that kind of proved that they were the first team to knock off Stewart's draft, you know, putting their first, loss on the on the record book there for the Cougars but then they come back in a makeup game on Monday and play Riverheads and, and Riverheads takes them down and that's a game at Riverheads so you know they'll regroup and, and whatnot but uh they'll still be higher in the 2B they'll probably still get a home game or two we're only talking a couple more games you know two weeks left of the season here um for the regular season so a lot's got to kind of come together here so they'll still finish high but 
The other side of this is Gap had a heck of a week. Gap beat Riverheads last week. They beat Wilson. Um, and uh, so they're sitting there, moved up to the first place position there. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they can close things out this week or these next two weeks. This week is the easier of the two weeks. This week they got Waynesboro and Stanton, uh, and then they'll have tougher stuff next week. But uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, where they finish in the 1B standings. You know, we I think we're going to end up with Riverheads and Buffalo Gap and those two three seeds in 1B. Uh, that's what it's looking like in the, in the ratings that they have out there for the 1B, and that's about the only region we're able to see this kind of stuff for. Uh, but it does look like we might only get one of these two teams out of the region that, you know, has produced a lot of state teams, you know, and a lot of riverheads, honestly. And, and, and but Gap made that run last year. So we'll see what we get here. Um, you know, like I said, this week, easier for Buffalo Gap. They got to take care of business, but then they got to be ready for that last week. Yeah. And I think, uh, and we've talked about it with only one of them getting out. I think that's the team that makes the run to the state, right? I, I don't oh, yeah. think we've, there's not a class three team that's going to make a run. We just saw why I don't think Stewart's draft will make a run. Yeah. So right. it, it really does seem like Buffalo gap is probably that team that's going to make a run. If we get one from a Shenandoah district team. Um, but in baseball, it, you know, it's going to be the same deal, right? It probably comes down to PowerPoints. And there's probably only going to be room for one of those teams. Unless, you know, I, I'm a little more optimistic in baseball. Seeing where the teams are sitting, sitting Buffalo gap uh, is ahead of riverheads. They're at the number two seed, but it's dropped all so five. Yeah. But that's so close. I mean, there's like two tenths. Yeah. Separating. I'm really three hoping, honestly, six. at this point though, my personal hope is, Riverheads stay down there around four or five because I have more faith in them going and beating a one seed than that. Then, then I want to see them playing Buffalo Gap in that two, three game. So I'd rather have a chance to get them both out of there because I, I mean, this is what I said last year. I think last year we argued about what could come out of one B, and I said it's just not that strong, and it wasn't. And I and I think the same thing again. Last year, Lunenburg was nearly undefeated up at the top, and then they got knocked out in the regions there. So this year. They don't look as dominant, and so I, I just have confidence that Buffalo Gap and Riverheads, if they can just not be the two, three, two and three seeds and have to play each other in a semifinal, I think they could see each other in a final. Um, but still have to play it out. I will tell you, with Riverheads... It's also not impossible I, I, for Buffalo Gap to fall to four. Oh, it's not. It's not. I mean, they're I mean, five and it, four it, in the district. They're, they're not exactly winning a ton of district And they games. can also bump up to one. I mean, that's the other side of it. Like, it, everybody's close there. Everybody's yeah. within, you know... Point one of each other. So a lot can happen. I think next week we'll have that little better signal on what's going there. Um, obviously, Buffalo Gap, they have an easy week just like the softball team does with, with Stanton and Waynesburg. Take care of business there. You should be sitting okay. You know, kind of handy that both of those are class three teams as well. Um, but the thing about Riverheads is I saw them, you know, they, they were on a good little run there at the beginning of the season, and they came up against Wilson the first time I was at that game. And, okay, the pressure is a little bit on here. And they, they started kicking the ball around, throwing the ball around, a lot of errors in the field. And I was like, that, that's a bad sign. Hopefully they can learn from that. You know, they'll come back and play Wilson again. That's coming up. But what I didn't like to see was last week against Fort Defiance, a team I think they should beat at this point. If they are learning what they should, they beat them the first time, they should win that game. 
And they got to a point where it was extra innings with Fort Defiance. I think Fort came back on them, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Well, then, what do they do in extra innings? They kick the ball around. And that's a sign of a young team, but it also is a sign of a team that maybe hasn't grown up as much this season as you would have wanted them to. So not exactly the greatest sign for Riverheads there. Um, but, you know, it's all learning experiences. When you got, you know, two freshmen in your start, you know, your starting pitching rotation there, you have – you know, young guys on the corner of the infield. Like, that that's what's going to happen. Things like that are going to happen. You just want to see the positive from that. Now, can we see it in the playoffs? We can, but you just don't expect that. You don't, you don't want to wait till late May to then all of a sudden grow up. So maybe they'll show something here in, the, in these last uh, two weeks here. Uh, they do have the rematch against Wilson. You know, that could be a, a prove-it game. But, man, Wilson's playing good. They've won seven straight. I don't know why we'd sit here and think, hey, I'll, you know, River is just going to knock off Wilson. They'll have their opportunity, but Wilson's the favorite in that game for a good reason. Plus, they'll be playing at home. They will. Um, and I guess looking ahead, right, because I, I think you're starting to get to that point where we're talking about PowerPoints. We already talked about it with 1B. In terms yeah. of PowerPoints, Fort Defiance is kind of in a let's not choke mode. They're, they look like they're going to get in. It's just a question of where in terms of seeding seven looks to be pretty well cemented unless Spotswood really has a rough week. Yeah. Um, so, and, and they may end up playing Wilson, right? It, unless Wilson. takes uh, Yeah. A stop I there. think it's very likely. I don't think Wilson, so, Wilson's not one. So, right. If those two teams play each other at, which is where it is right now, two and seven respectively, you got to like Wilson in that. Yeah. And then my concern for Wilson in making a state run is sitting at three is a really good Broadway team. George Loss is doing yeah. a great yeah. job at Broadway. And I know Wilson Memorial's won seven straight. I know they're 13 and three overall. I just, similar to softball, I worry that they're not being tested in the Shenandoah district in terms of what they're going to see in the second and region championship. I just, and if they get to the region championship, you know, win or lose, you go on. But when they get to that region semifinal, I don't think they've seen too many teams like that. And and I worry in really a district that I don't think is the caliber of tests they're going to see in that second round? Uh, to a degree, I'm I, I not going to argue your point because I, I do think the district's not as strong this year. But, I mean, I think the valley, the top of the Valley District is solid and, and probably better than most of the Shenandoah District. It being a one-game situation with it being Wilson who is – has been there before, you know, they, they, they are used to postseason runs. They've, they've won state championships there. Rodney Cullen's been there for a long time. He, he knows how to get the guys ready. And, you know, they're eight and one in the district. They've only lost one district game. They won seven straight. It's, it's, it's kind of like they can only do what they can do here. They can, they can only win the games in front of them. And they've done that for the last month. So I, I mean, they got to get in the position. I, 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 I'm not saying they're going to walk over Broadway and I'm not trying to make some kind of argument like that, but I like them against Broadway a whole lot more than I like against LCA. And so if they're sitting in a spot where they don't have to play LCA until that region final, then I'm a lot more hopeful for what can happen in a one game situation with a strong Broadway team with George Loss coaching them. Cause he knows how to coach them up. 
I mean, they lost to Broadway the first time they played them four to five. They beat Broadway the second time they played them nine to five. So they'll be familiar with that matchup when they get there. So I, you know, I don't know. They beat Spotswood both times they played them. Or no, they've only played Spotswood once. They still actually do fit in one more game against Spotswood. So, I mean, they, they know those teams that they have a chance of likely playing that are coming out of the Valley District. They've played them. They know who they are. TA's another one. They, they split with them, too. They lost to them the first time and then beat them the second time, 9-1. to one. Which So is... any of those Valley District teams mm-hmm. are going to get, they know what they are. Not saying that helps them beat them anymore, but it, they, they're not going to be surprised by the strength of what any of those teams are. And that's great. Kentucky knows Alabama, and sometimes they play them really tough, but they don't win a lot. So, like, again, I, I know they've split. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they split with them. They beat them half the time so I, far. I know <laughs> they split with Broadway. I know they split with TA. I know they've got another game with Spotswood coming up, but if they win that, they swept Spotswood. That's that's great. I'm just saying, Lila, my concern is kind of like we talk about with our concerns on when – G5 teams make a leap to a P5 conference, right? You're seeing a, a tougher test, more consistent. It absolutely is. The Shenandoah yeah. district compared to the Valley district is not good. And that's going to okay, be me censoring myself and being nice. About, and they at worst have split with them. Leland, what is the argument against the G5 teams when they go undefeated? Oh, well, you only had to play them once or twice. You only had to play one or two good teams. You didn't play good teams week in, week out. But Ignoring the Valley fact district team that's eligible that like are in the top eight of this playoff, uh, except Rockbridge, excuse me, in the top seven, all the ones they'd likely play. They have played those exact teams. And I just I don't look they'll play. They I mean, we'll see because they're going to have to play. They're going to have to beat one of them yeah, to get play. into they'll the region championship. <laughs> and if they lose, then I'm just going to I. That's going to be a upsetting podcast for folks to listen to because I am going to rub it in your face because I'm going to be like, this is my concern. I'm not going to tell these people, and this is where we differ on this podcast. So is this like While I'm rooting for our teams, challenges Riverheads in football, but then they still go out and wipe the earth with the playoff teams. Like you can make that same argument, and that doesn't apply there. Here's Wilson, who has won multiple state championships. In no, I would say the difference is staff at this program. They know what it takes to. Win, I would say the difference is Leland. This is like if William Campbell runs the table in the Dogwood District, and then when they play Riverheads, they get murdered because they're not on the same level. This- that's what that's what my concern is. I don't is. look at Wilson the same because of what they've proven in the past, what they've done year after year. They that's ran, fine. You know, in high school they, sports, they history doesn't mean anything. There. In high school sports, history doesn't mean a whole lot. I, I'm, and I'm making this argument against the other Valley District teams. I'm not making this against LCA. LCA is recruited in a team that's going to beat Wilson. That's fine. Like, there's not an argument there. That's why they have 15 PowerPoints because they got kids from Pennsylvania brought in to hammer the baseball. That's fine. But I just... I'm not going to say the Valley District baseball is so far ahead of what Wilson Memorial is. Yeah, they're ahead of Waynesboro and Stewart Strap, but Wilson knows what they got. They played them this year. They know what they got. They play them every other year too. Yeah, and but this is where we differ. Like while I'm supporting and rooting for our local schools, when I don't think they're going to pass the test, I don't sit here and tell people they're going to pass the test to make them feel good. I, I think they're going to fail the test. I think Wilson will lose know. in a region semifinal. They've, they've scored over 10 runs against all these teams in this district. They're beating the crap out of this district. That Yeah, they, but like, what more do you want them to do? Like, if they're winning all these games 2-1, to one, like, I, I see your point a little bit easier against, but 
I mean, they're wiping the earth with this district. They should have been undefeated against do. this district. This district isn't very good. Yeah, they have a 3-4 loss to Buffalo Gap. That's not a good it's loss. embarrassing, isn't it? It is. If you're a Class 3C <laughs> team, it is. But they beat TA 9-1, to and that means nothing to you. I got gotcha. you. It's fine. But then they lost to TA. By one run. I, we'll see. In the second game of the season. The first game of the season. In the first game of the season, it was more than one run. I looked at the scores wrong. But, like, yeah, they split with them. Like, it just – that's fine. We're looking at this a little differently. That's fine. I, I have – which to my point, Wilson to my point, against the two teams they might the see, playoffs. against the two teams they might see, they're a 500 team. It's a little bit tighter than you're leading on when we're looking at the Shenandoah district. They've outscored, outscored TA. So, well, if they adopt a Champions League format where aggregate scoring plays a role, then that'll I mean, be great. You want, you want that? You want that crap coming to America? So there you I go. do. I would love it. <laughs> all right let's look at the boys soccer where uh we were surprised a week ago that stanton was able to get that tie against wilson but we didn't really think that would matter in the uh, as we went on but then here comes stewart's draft they tie wilson this past week and that's surprising leaves the door slightly open but with the teams left to play we still sit here kind of with the same thing wilson's going to win this district it's just going to be by a smaller margin than we thought both Wilson and Stanton still have to play Fort Ed Riverheads. Uh, Wilson will close the season with Waynesboro. That's the toughest game they have left. So I, I do think Scott Harrison's going to get that district victory there, district championship there for Wilson, but surprised with that tie against Stewart's draft. I guess I would say prepare to hear what I just said earlier. I don't think this team's going very far in a region tournament. They aren't. I think 3C with soccer is is what happened last year. I think Wilson was more dominant last year, and they got in there and got whooped up. So I, 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 I buy that a lot more here. Girls soccer, Waynesboro and Wilson will play. We'll see if they draw again or whether one of them is able to beat the other. And that's the last week of the season. We'll talk more about that next week. Tennis, uh, the huge matchup that we've all been waiting for, the really thing, the only thing to talk about in tennis, boys or girls, Wilson Riverheads Wednesday at in Fishersville there uh, 10 and 0 Wilson in the district nine and one Riverheads uh, that's going to, you know, decide what happens there. It's a five, four game last time they played on April 17th. So uh, both programs will be fired up for that one. Wilson's going to want to prove the point that they're the program that have been on top and still on top. Riverheads is trying to knock them off. So uh, that'll be a fun one there Wednesday to see what comes out of that. Let's talk about some college softball, Virginia tech, they're going to be the fifth seed in the ACC. That means they got Louisville in the first round. We'll see what happens there. JMU, that's the other team that folks care about a lot. And uh, when it comes to softball, they're going to be the sixth seed in the Sun Belt. And uh, it's going to be a tough draw with South Alabama. And the funny thing about both these matchups here for these local softball teams that we talk about they're both playing teams they didn't face in the regular season. So, you know, they're coming into this a little bit fresh. Now, with Virginia Tech, they have played Louisville a lot in the past. They've won eight of the last nine meetings. They have good success against that program. Louisville's just improved this year, and they're a higher seed than Virginia Tech. So that makes it a difficult matchup there. Uh, Louisville's going to get to bat last in that game. That, that's a big factor uh, in a lot of these uh, softball games, baseball games as well. Winner of that game is going to – end up playing Florida State. So either way, it, it's going to be a tough road to have a long run for Virginia Tech. 
Um, but on the softball side, South Alabama, they've only faced that program once before. And yeah, JM, you got the win, but I don't think there's a whole lot from 2017 that that program is going to be drawing from there. Winner of that uh, will face Marshall and, um, or likely it'll face Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I am worried about, you know, Virginia Tech, JMU both sitting at five and six seats respectively, being able to advance that far, uh, but hopeful. I, I mean, obviously hopeful. You hope, you know, the, the licks that you took during the season will, will help you along the way. The good thing for Virginia Tech is they're projected to be in, in the NCAA tournament. They're not going to be hosting any kind of regional. They're probably going to be like a two seed um, somewhere. I mean, winning this game would probably lock that kind of um, seeding into the national tournament in. Um, losing it, they could drop to a three seed. So they'll have to travel somewhere. Um, but uh, JMU, they're going to have to do some winning and, and, and surprising people to uh, be able to put themselves in the tournament. Yeah, we should also mention UVA. Uh, they'll, they made the ACC tournament as well. They are the eight seed. They will take on Syracuse and actually game number one of that tournament. And should they win, they will play Florida State. Yeah. So, and they, I believe, got swept by Florida State in the regular season. Um, so, as as did Virginia Tech. So, Florida State. I was going to say, obviously, as did a lot of teams. Yeah. Um, baseball, not quite conference tournament time yet. So, there's some regular season still going on. Uh, you had Virginia Tech who absolutely smashed Bowling Green. They've got Liberty coming up and then Clemson for UVA. It's a big series. That Clemson series is a big series for them. Right. Uh, For UVA, they had a big lead on JMU. JMU came back, but UVA held on to win 9-8. Did not play this weekend. They'll take on Louisville this weekend coming up. VCU, they played at Davidson. uh, Lost that series two games to one. Now they'll have Longwood and Farmville on Tuesday and they will take on Richmond in a uh, local rivalry there crosstown rival important for a 10 standings as those two teams will play each other in uh, VCU's home finale and I believe it is also their graduation week uh, so oh, well, yeah. gra- uh, traffic should be fun <laughs> oh uh, baseball yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I can handle it. Uh, JMU baseball, they, as we mentioned, they lost to UVA, but then they swept Marshall, which was big. Now they've got Old Dominion, which is going to be another tough test, and then they will have Virginia Tech on Tuesday. Yeah, I wasn't sure next when week. we drop this next podcast. Week. Next week. Next week, but yeah, a week a week from when you're listening to this likely uh, is when JMU and Tech will play. I wanted to throw that note in here. But the other cool news for JMU uh, the women's lacrosse team, you know, that that program that won a national title back in 2018, they're up in the standings again, a 17 and two on the season. They got a number seven overall seed in the uh, NCAA tournament there. They get Army of West Point here at first um, in the first game. They get to host them and then Maryland likely in the next game. Uh, and if they're able to win those two, then they play the number two seed uh, Syracuse. Uh, what are they orange? Are they orange women? I don't, I don't know how they reference the, that. I think Syracuse sports, changed that all their sports are just the orange now. The orange. Okay. So uh, fair enough. And so that's, that's a tough draw if they're able to make it that far uh, against the two seed Syracuse team there. Um, but uh, they're back up in high in the stadiums. And that's one of those programs at JMU that we said would adjust well to what, um, you know, getting out of the CAA. 
when they came out of the CA and women's lacrosse, they actually went into the American athletic conference with, you know, top known teams uh, in that conference there. So, uh, and they've done well all season, obviously. So um, that's where they are at. So you'll hear a lot more about them uh, as these, uh, the next week or two weeks go on. I think when I was looking at the schedule would be, we would talk about the Syracuse game if they get that before then. We would. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, they had a great run in the AAC conference tournament. Um, yeah. They lost to the Florida Gators, which if you're like, wait a minute, um, this lacrosse is one of those sports where kind of like soccer, um, you need to check the conference standings uh, if you're a, a fan of those sports, because they look a lot different than yeah. basketball, football and baseball. Um, yep. Florida is in the AAC and lacrosse. Just like JMU is in the AAC and lacrosse, uh, and I don't know if those teams are in those conferences for anything else. Uh, but probably not many things, if any. So right. Um, but JMU had a good run in that conference tournament. Glad to see they got the number seven overall seed and get to have a home uh, game against Army. And you know, wish them the best of luck. Obviously, 2018 they won that national title against Boston College. That was cool to watch. And uh, it would be very cool if they're able to uh, win another championship. Yeah, it would be really cool. And even just advancing far here would be a oh, yeah. good good sign that that program is able to kind of rise back up and live up to that seven seed. Looking at baseball, the Pirates basically didn't win since last time we talked. They lost seven straight. They did finally win tonight right before we got on recording here on Monday night. Uh, but they're still 21 and 15, even with losing seven straight. Um, but they kind of came back down to earth and the mm-hmm. rest of the division um, kind of catching up closer to them. The, they're they're thankful that the Cardinals are having a rough time out there. Uh, but they did get the win Monday to start off the week good. Um, Orioles, they were, you know, about even over the last week uh, with a tough series there against the Braves this weekend. They have nothing gets easier for them as they get Tampa Bay this week. And they actually took the loss on Monday night. Um, but it's all coming together that the Pirates and the Orioles will play this weekend. Uh, so the battle of the Yak Sports podcast uh, <laughs> baseball fandoms will be happening this weekend uh, up in Camden. Yeah. Uh, and the frustrating thing about this weekend against the Braves is honestly, both games that they lost, I felt like they should have won. I mean, they were ahead. Yeah in the game on Saturday and really, really blew it uh, late, which sucked. And then when you had uh, the game on Sunday, you know, the game goes into extra innings. There were multiple times where the Orioles could have scored the go-ahead run, just didn't cash in. And then the Braves finally do score it. And now against the Rays, it was, you know, it was a hard, it was a close game, but you lost. The good news is they're in these games. Uh, The bad news is you got to turn some of these into wins. Uh, I still have all the confidence in the world that the Orioles will be in the playoffs. I, I mean, it's that approach we talked about last week where they kept giving up runs early and then fighting back in games. Well, you know, where they were able to overcome in those games, you know, that runs up dry. I mean, that's why you don't want right. close game after close and game. And the starting pitching has to be better. Like, that is yeah. that is something the Orioles are going to have to improve on as the season goes on. The starting pitching has got to be better. John Means is going to be part of that when he comes back, but... I, I do think the Orioles will be buyers at the deadline, and I don't think it's going to be a shock at what they're going to be looking for is starting pitching. Like, they're going to need a starting pitcher. They're going to need him to be good. And it, it can't be like a bargain bin starting pitcher. Like, they're probably going to have to give up one of these prospects that's in the minors 
Um, maybe not one of the big names, but they're going to have to give up somebody in the minors that's got some value probably to get a decent starting pitcher at the deadline. It's actually going to help them. And I'm hoping they will do that. I'm hoping we won't, you know, just try to find a bargain bin player at the deadline to just another version of what we already have on the staff. Um, but who knows? The good thing about the Orioles, and I, I know I said this last week, I, I do think they're for real. Like, I, I think they're going to be in the mix. Like, and that's why I don't feel stupid for having a bet for them being in the playoffs, but I might be also thankful that there's an additional playoff spot because that division's tough and people are competing. When, when you see, you know, the teams that spend the most money at the bottom spots in that division, uh, you know, you, you wonder how that's all going to pan out. But I, I do think they're for real. And it just doesn't surprise me that the Pirates kind of came back down to earth. Now, they've set themselves up in a division where they won a bunch of games where they're not used to winning a bunch of games. So, you know, they've set themselves up to contend here into the summertime, and, and we'll see how that goes. I, I don't expect a lot more, you know, 0-7 weeks out of the Pirates because of those division games. I think they'll they'll win plenty of those. But, um, you know, they're probably not scraping on – I don't know. They're probably not winning the division is probably what I'm going to say. I, I, I don't, I don't, I think that, yeah. that lead might go away, but you know, they could still dance around one of those wild card spots. So we'll, we'll the see, problem see. is right. And, and this is going to be the problem when they play the Orioles, uh, like, when they're playing outside the division is the problem. And, and the AL East in particular, that's who they played last week and they got swept by the Rays and the Jays. The yeah. AL East is an absolute beast. Like, Rays, Jays, Orioles, Red Sox, Yankees are all either over 500 or right at 500. And that's what makes that division so tough. When they play the other divisions, they're pounding them. And that's when a team wins a series against an ALEs team, they're beating their chest about it because it's a huge, huge deal. And the other thing with the Orioles, right, is we talked about when you're outside the division, you got to feast. Well, the Tampa Bay Rays are in the division. They have the Jays, I believe, and the Yankees soon um but then they play the rangers and angels who are outside the division but above 500 i think it was like their next 21 games are all against teams above 500 and the pirates um so those are series that the orioles like you need to do well and win some division series but you also just need to take care of business when you play the angels take care of business when you play the rangers we already played them once over there and we did very well hopefully on the return we do well in baltimore uh and then you got to beat the pirates like Frankly, you got to win that series. If you can get some sweeps in there, that would be great, but at least win the series. So this weekend I did a lot of mindless work where I was able to wear uh, headphones the whole time, and I listened to some multiple baseball games this weekend. Um, I listened to a Pirates game, I listened to a Reds game, and I listened to a Cubs game. And the Cubs radio stood out to me this week. And, you know, I, I look at announcers and stuff probably like you do a little bit different having worn a headset and said stuff. Anybody I listen to at that level, much better than anything I ever dream of being a part. That's fine. I was listening to the Cubs announcement and it blew me away how many ads that they have these guys running. Everything is sponsored. Everything that happens in the game after the play happens, whatever that is, is sponsored by somebody like like a ground out to first is sponsored by this guy. The catcher throwing somebody out is sponsored by this person. Like I'm not saying every single play, but I'm 
multiple an inning, something is happening that it is sponsored by someone specifically. The when the opposing team brings in a new pitcher, it's sponsored by this. It's just it was I it got me laughing about it. Um, it also made me funny that Pat Hughes is the announcer. It reminds me of a story that you told me one time, and this guy basically did it. Every time the Cubs did something good, which they were down in that game, had to come back and got the win. They got took the lead in the eighth and, and got the win. But every time the Cubs did something good, listen to that crowd. <laughs> he would just go silent, and you could hear the Cubs. And, and both announcers really – really talked about how much the crowd was impacting the game and this and that. But every time the Cubs did something good, just listen to that crowd. And I just, oh, it made me think of you every time he did it because I think what you were at some random high school soccer event. It was a high school football game in Loudoun County. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, I've never pulled that out on you. always joke about doing it. And here here was a Hall of Famer. He's in the 2023 Hall of Fame class for going into the Hall of Fame as an announcer and uh, he was doing it. Now I imagine his handling of that was a, is more professional, a little bit more of a thing as he has 28 years in the booth uh, for listening to that crowd than, than the guy you were doing it with that night. Yeah. It's probably a big difference, but yeah. I'm also the crowd might have more of an impact and at Wrigley than it did in Loudoun County at Loudoun County high school. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but they, uh, you talking about everything being sponsored reminds me. I need to send you a clip that the Levitard show did um, oh, yeah. imitating the Miami Hurricanes play-by-play football announcer. And when he's calling the play, it was the kick return where they won against Duke um, years ago. And they yeah. recreated that play-by-play and like all these different things are sponsored. That's uh, like on Tony, they have the Kevin Sheehan winter forecast and like every mention of anything in a forecast is sponsored by someone different. Yeah, I, I, those are those can be pretty funny. Um, it Every time I come across it, it makes me laugh. So I need to send that to you so you can enjoy that as well. But yeah, it's honestly, um, there, there are times where I am surprised that we don't have more things sponsored that we do when we're calling games. Um, Maybe we should. Maybe that's the problem. Our our red zone isn't <laughs> sponsored. Our first downs aren't sponsored. Our touchdowns aren't sponsored. We get our halftime show sponsored. We're pretty happy. Our drive summaries aren't sponsored. Well, thank, thanks, Dave Brooks. <laughs> he sponsors the whole game, but yeah. If somebody wants to sponsor, yeah, if you're, look, if you're listening to this podcast and you have a business and you want to sponsor the red zone, you want to sponsor first downs, you want to sponsor touchdowns was, the drive summary field goals joe deck dismissing leland mccray's hope for a local team sponsored by <laughs> yeah this is joe deck's truth serum sponsored by generic pharmaceuticals when you need that other person to tell you the truth inject them with generic <laughs> pharmaceuticals <laughs> Although, you know what? I say this, we're not sponsored by anybody. So if, actually, if you have a business and you want to sponsor somebody, sponsor us. Here at the Yes Words Podcast, like you can read you can reach literal you can reach, well, dozens of people. <laughs> I think someone sponsoring like specific types of arguments that you and I continually have. Uh, that might be our niche for getting some some sponsors. The college football playoff debate sponsored by. <laughs> All right, Joe. Let's uh, let's take it to the D block and let's get those playoff updates. 
Let's do it. All right. D block time. Let's start. You know what? We went NHL first last week. Let's start NBA this week. When we talk about NBA, uh, let's talk about the series that is over. The Miami Heat and New York Knicks. Dunzo. That series is dead. The New York Knicks suck. They are going to get eliminated <laughs> in five. The They barely won a game two when Jimmy Butler didn't play. And now that Jimmy Butler's playing, they don't have a prayer. They're out. Do you disagree? I'm not arguing. Okay. I was amazed they won the first round. So, Also true. I was kind of amazed they were in the playoffs, honestly. When it got, when it got to March, when They're a know, five seed. the bracket was there, you know, I, uh, the uh, college bracket came out and everything, and I was like, okay, let me look at NBA here while I start to focus on NBA. And it was like, Knicks are up in the top half. I was like, whoa, like, didn't, didn't know that was happening. Yeah. Um, out West, uh, oh, the Celtics and Sixers are, that's going to be a series. I don't know. That's going to yeah. go seven, I think. Um, yeah. Nuggets and Suns is a series, but really, I got to be honest, the story out of that series right now is what happened in game four where Jokic and the Suns owner have an altercation on the side of the floor because the Suns owner grabs the ball and tries to keep it away from Jokic, which to me was bizarre. Like, honestly, Jokic giving him a little forearm, I don't have a problem with. I, I actually thought, you know what, Suns owner? Don't hold the ball. But he even grazed him with his forearm. It wasn't even that he, like, put the forearm into him. It's like... It was just so weak for the owner to fall back, like, and and to be in that spot, like, you think you, I, just, I don't know. It was just bad look on, I think, the Suns owner. And I know he's a new owner. I have nothing wrong with what Jokic did, and I'm not some person that's going to run to defend Jokic either. But like, he, it was fine, and so I'm glad he's not suspended. I, I guess he got fined or whatever for making contact with somebody in the stands, and there's like a standard for that. Okay, pay it. Let's move on. Um, I. The thing that stands out to me in that series, Chris Paul hurt again, and it's just they're just he's never going to get one, is he? He's just not going to get it. He's not going to get one. Uh, Kevin Durant is not going to win this series. He's not going to win a title this year. Um, Booker looked good the other night, but I, I just don't think they can do it enough against the Nuggets. No, unless their owner really inserts himself in the series. Um, <sighs> yeah, Golden State and the Lakers. I don't know what to make of that series either. The Lakers looked really good in game three, um, but I, I think that's another series kind of like the Sixers Celtics that is destined to go the full seven. Oh, I mean, that's what they were saying coming into the series. What it, it was Davis it was up to him. If he plays good, they're going to win. If he doesn't play good, they lose. And that's exactly what we've seen out of the first three games. So, I mean, I just say, you know, look at halftime and see if Davis is playing well or not. And, and you'll know what's going to happen the rest of the game. Yeah, and so, honestly, Leland, this might sound nuts, but when you look to the East, the 8 seed, the Heat, look to be a problem. And when you take into account the Sixers, Celtics are going to fight seven, probably for seven games in an absolute war of a series, and then they got to go play the Heat, who have coasted through the first two rounds. Yeah. The heat might be as an eight seed in the NBA finals, which is bizarre. And then you're going to have. You're going to have a six or seven. Probably probably either the Lakers or the Warriors. I I don't, I mean, the nuggets are the one seed. So if they get into the conference finals, it sounds crazy to say that a six or a seven is going to be a favorite over them. But 
they're just when you look at who the Lakers and the Warriors have, the Nuggets are Jokic and you can kind of stop talking. Whereas Golden State and the Lakers both have multiple weapons on the floor. Yeah, I mean the Lakers are just playing their best ball at the right time, and uh, I guess they flipped a switch on, which I, I that's kind of what drives me nuts about the NBA is the regular season does not matter. It, I know it doesn't matter, but like there was no even signal of this, and it's not like the Warriors when like you know what they have in previous seasons more so, and then all you know then they turn the switch on when you know they're not driving for seventy wins, you, you know they have it. I didn't know if the Lakers had it or not, and they're proven that they have more than we thought. Um. I what I thought was interesting after that first round or during the first round, I think it was Chris Lasseter. He put out a tweet and he's like, I'm so much more excited about these first round playoff games than I was the first round of the NCAA tournament. Maybe that's because I was rooting for UVA. Well, number one, when you're root, when you, when you know, you got to compare to the NCAA tournament, that's why, you know, that one's the best one, uh, you know, continually um, because that's what you're comparing to. That's why everybody compares to Michael Jordan because they know he's the best. So, yeah, this has been exciting. This has been the more, more, most exciting NBA playoffs we've seen in a while because there, there isn't LeBron James team that's guaranteed to get in the finals every single year for seven years straight. They're, you know, the Warriors aren't quite what the Warriors are. But here we are with LeBron James and the Warriors battling it out to, to still be involved. And so you see an eight seed winning. You see the six and seven seed still in it. Like, it's, it, it has made it interesting. NCAA bracket's still better. But – you know, it's having a strong year for the NBA. This is good for the league that they're having this, you know, this much question mark going into each and every game where these lower seats can win. That's great for the NBA. I feel like even when the Bulls were good, you still had these playoffs where stuff happened. You had the Denver Nuggets and Dikembe Mutombo was an eight seed knocking off a one seed. Um, you know, you had that back in the 90s. I just, we had a long stretch where we didn't have this. Uh, so I think it's good for the NBA that's a signal of maybe that coming back. We still have super teams. We still have three big stars on a bunch of different teams. But it's just kind of, I, I think, even and out a little bit better now. And there's the, the talent's spread enough where we can see these upsets. So it's it's been fun. It, it's been interesting. I still don't watch the games. I still flip no. on a game in the first quarter and watch it. I still the fourth quarter before I turn over there. That's normal behavior for me. But it's it's been cool seeing the upsets. Yeah, I watch more NBA playoffs tonight than I have the entire first round and second round so far combined. Um, but, but it's been interesting. I mean, I listen for the outcome. Like I wake up in the morning. Yeah, like, I, like, I hear the scores no. and hear about it, but yeah. Um, NHL playoffs, which I have watched quite a bit of uh, your Lanch got eliminated. We so about this last week, you don't have to keep rubbing it in uh, your Lanch got eliminated. So the Kraken are playing the stars <laughs> I said I still like the Stars to come out of that, but the Kraken do have a 2-1 lead in that series. They're a tough out. It's a team that plays really good hockey um, and, and just been really impressive so far, especially for such a young franchise. Vegas, Edmonton, I'm done trying to predict that series because every time I think someone is going to win a game, they get stomped. Uh, the Knights ended up making it 1-1, uh, and now they're up 5-1 in game three as they go into the third period. So they're probably going to be up 2-1 on Edmonton. Carolina leads the series against the Devils 2-1. I definitely still like Carolina to come out of that series. And then the Toronto Maple Leafs, who 
Maple Leafs fans were thinking, okay, finally we beat, we win a series for the first time since the late nineties. We're, we're good. We've got that curse. We killed the curse. Now we're going to ride a really good regular season. The best team in hockey just got eliminated in the first round because they did the stupid thing of winning the president's cup. Now we're going to cruise on to the Stanley cup finals, except they're down three out of the Florida Panthers. And uh, they're done. The Toronto Maple Leafs, you can stick a fork in them. They're done. Uh, the Florida Panthers are going to, if the Florida Panthers are gentlemen about it, is the question. Or whether they just barnyard bully and sweep them. And then wait for Carolina, probably, in that next round, which that's going to be a good series. I would think the Carolina Hurricanes could probably win that and get to the Stanley Cup, but who knows. Um, and then, again, out west, I mean, who knows what happens. Vegas, Dallas, Seattle, Edmonton, any of those teams could win the West, in my opinion. If you're asking me to pick one, even though Dallas trails in that series, I think Dallas get, finds a way to get it done. Pavelski is too good, especially now that he's healthy again. I mean, Leland, in a loss to Seattle in game number one of that series, he scored four goals. It was a 5-4 game in overtime that Seattle won, and Joe Pavelski scored all four Dallas Stars goals in his first game back from injury since the first round. And it was an insane series. It's going to be the, the both series out West are fun. The Florida Panthers and Toronto Maple Leafs are good games, but the Maple Leafs keep coming up short. And now that they're down three Oh, I just don't think they can win four straight. Um, and what's even funnier is, you know, at, the Maple Leafs fans were chanting in round one ahead of the Panthers, Boston series. We want Florida and they got them. They've got them. And now they're down three Oh, um, seemingly finding creative ways to lose each and every time. Cause they go up in those games. I think game one, they just got absolutely stomped, but game two and game three, they go up and then they lose. And wow. Um, Good for the Florida Panthers. It's a great, I tell you what, listening to the Levitard show has been funny because with the Panthers and the Heat, both eight seeds, uh, upsetting the best teams in their conference and both seemingly in control of second round series. It's been funny to listen to. I was listening to some, uh, I think it was radio this weekend, and they were talking about the hockey, and they said, with Boston out, with the Rangers out, with the defending champion Avalanche out, you're going to look at this and you're like, who does hockey even want in the finals at this point? And the best they could come up with is give them a Canada team versus a USA team. That's about what the NHL is, will hope for. They will want Canada fully invested um, in the playoffs for those those ratings that would come out of Canada. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not, you know, the, the usual suspects. Um, or the, or the, the team with a lot of history um, that are the storylines for hockey this year. I mean, the Kraken went in, I think is, is cool. I think that's a cool story. They're only a couple years old as a franchise. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I, I don't really have any pulls. I mean, am I, am I supposed to like Carolina? I don't. Um, a lot of people don't like Carolina cause they um, do this thing after games where they all meet at, center ice and do a team celebration after a home win and a lot of fans of other teams don't like that it doesn't really bother me i don't care they um, play in the same stadium as nc state so i don't like them <laughs> that's my problem 
<laughs> oh, in Raleigh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am pulling for Carolina because I placed a preseason investment on Carolina to win the Stanley oh. Cup. Um, but I will say, like, the Rangers were the three seed, and I, I kind of thought, outside of Boston, that might be a team that could win the Stanley Cup, even though they were a three seed, because of the amount of offense they had. And then in Game 7, they just absolutely got destroyed by the Devils. Yeah. So, um, hockey is weird. Hockey playoffs are crazy. And, and you're right, Leland, because when you look at who's left, out, out in the East... I'm going to go ahead and say Toronto's been eliminated. Um, so they're not an option. Your choices are Florida, Carolina, New Jersey. I, I guess the Devils is who they would like, but you're not. It's a New York market team. It's a New York-ish team, but it's not New York. Yeah, it's not New York. It's not either of the two teams that call New York home. Um, yeah. And then out West, I mean, your blue blood franchises of Colorado, Chicago, St. Louis, those teams are all gone. You've got Edmonton, which has an exciting guy in Connor McDavid. That would be good for the league probably to showcase their star, who is one of the best players in hockey right now, Connor McDavid, if not the best player in hockey. Uh, you have the Kraken, which are the expansion team. Vegas is usually really good. They're good again this year, but Again, you're only going to get either them or Edmonton. I I would think it's Edmonton would be their pick. But, yeah, that's an interesting point I hadn't thought Canada, about. Yeah, that's, that's the, the Canada versus U.S. then probably, too. And on the flip side, I mean, if the Florida Panthers were to get to the Stanley Cup, they have Matthew Kachuk, who is the young, bright American hockey player uh, who is absolutely doing fantastic things there uh, and was actually part of a trade with the Florida Panthers last year had a guy named Jonathan Huberdeau who was taking the league by storm was one of the best players in hockey last year they traded him to Calgary for Matthew Kachuk and it's turned out to be a great trade for the Florida Panthers um, because the Calgary Flames you don't see in the playoffs uh, this year as they were last year when they had Matthew Kachuk so that that would be an interesting storyline of two young superstar players, yeah. and you would have an American versus Canadian team. Yeah, the Canadian would be playing for the Canadian team, the American <sighs> playing for the team from the U.S. Uh, which all is a point of me saying I really hope in the next Olympics the NHL lets the players go because I want to see Connor McDavid yeah. and Matthew Kachuk and Joe Pavelski and some of these other guys in the Olympics where they belong because it's just exciting hockey. Yeah, I agree. So what's uh, dominating my life? Yeah, Maisel's back. I've been watching that. It's been great. So I think I talk about it most weeks, but it has been standing out. Absolutely great. The Diplomat, I started a few episodes in. I recommend that. Um, at some point, we'll have to talk about that on the podcast. But what I wanted to get to here, I watched all the F1 Drive to Survive. I think last time I mentioned it, I was still in the middle of it. That season started out kind of... It kind of like the first episode or two, I'm like, all right, we might be in deadliest catch here. Like we might, <laughs> we might just be catching fish. And uh, it's the same thing that I'm used to seeing in this series. I've already watched, you know, four seasons of this series. It's might be the same thing, but man, that season got dramatic last year. 
um, with with Red Bull and, and stuff that was in the news. I mean, stuff that I, I kind of vaguely remember hearing in the news, but Red Bull kind of went through some weeks of facing criticism and investigation about overspending um, within, you know, overspending because there's a cap to spending. And then they did, and just the outfall from that, some drivers moving around. It, it really got interesting in the second half of that season. So uh, if you haven't watched F1 Drivers 5, I recommend starting from the beginning because a lot of that early stuff, it's not like you remember what that news was. And there's kind of people you kind of follow all the way through the series, uh, and it's really entertaining. But it, it was a good season. By the end of it, i I really glad I watched it. Now, all that said, I, I watched Drivers Survive. It's got me interested in – uh, F1 and paying attention to a degree of what's happening. I feel like there was no buzz this year for this Miami Grand Prix. I, I, I heard about it on Saturday. Like I, I felt like a year ago, it was like really a buildup to it. And I really knew it was coming. And um, for some reason, I just, I, I wasn't in the right. <laughs> I wasn't hearing the right stuff to know that the Miami Grand Prix was Grand Prix was happening this weekend. I watched none of it a year ago. I watched probably most of the race um and and it happened so uh i thought that was i think it's i i think maybe there's some kind of a plateau with the hype around f1 i think it was gaining a lot of ground but based on my observations and the buzz that i'm hearing and watching twitter and that i i wonder if it's kind of leveled off here i knew it was coming um but i I follow the F1 teams. I follow on Twitter. I follow F1 on Twitter. Um, and I, a year ago, I felt like I saw a lot more on Twitter. I felt like I needed to be watching be, the series because, because I'm watching out. because I'm watching the hockey playoffs, especially when it's on ESPN. They they ran a few advertisements for the F1 race, mm-hmm. and in fact, they've been running ads that you can watch the races on ESPN Plus now. Um, until like the, only way I've the been really next them. to last race of the year. Um, it, this race was interesting in the sense that the qualifying session threw some teams for a loop. Some drivers that usually are at the top were not at the top, whether that was due to accidents or something going on with the cars. And then you saw the American team Haas have somebody qualify fourth which is way above their usual qualifying spots, which are just outside of 10th. Um, so for them to jump up to fourth, you were like, wow. Now, that being said, the friendly bet around the Shindle Awards and Apparel Office was, where is the highest driver from Haas going to finish? I said ninth. Um, Rob Ron, who lost, said 12th, and there was a guy in the middle. It ended is up being... Uh, well, he's going to owe us Wendy's, I think, is what we decided on. Um, <laughs> but uh, he ended up finishing 10th. Uh, and it's just the drivers, even when they don't qualify well, like Verstappen, I think, qualified 9th wow. and ends up winning the race because um, yeah. his car is just better. And so really what this season has turned into is – Verstappen versus his teammate Perez. Like, yeah, and they've traded races. They have. They've traded races. Verstappen has won one more race than Perez. He's ahead in the standings. But if Perez had won that Miami race, he would have jumped him. And it's been it's been interesting from that standpoint. 
it's interesting to see Fernando Alonso and where he finishes because he's had a really good season so far. Ferrari keeps saying they're making adjustments to the car, and each week, you know, oh, we feel better about this car than we did last week, and for whatever reason, they don't seem to be able to hang with Red Bull, but nobody hangs with Red Bull, and um, it's just been an interesting week in terms of what we're going to see from them from here on out, and I think, like I said, a Red Bull driver will win the championship. I would think it's going to be Verstappen. Oh, if it's not Max, that would be that would be pretty darn surprising. It would, and I would love it. Um, I don't love Max Verstappen, but um, I like the other guy. I, I, I Checo Perez, I like him. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, you know the rumor in F one is that Fernando Alonso is dating Taylor Swift. So <laughs> that rumor went around on social media. I don't know if it's true or not, but um, there was a entertainment site that was reporting that um and to I made my the knowledge of like, of watching one TikTok of her concert in of something happening at the concert in nashville like the crowd or something you know i was just like yeah. watching it i was like oh huh and then my entire feed just blew up with all taylor swift stuff i just is like it yeah you gotta be careful with those algorithms swipe quick so i don't yeah, you got to be careful with those algorithms. But yeah. to my knowledge, neither Taylor Swift nor Fernando Alonso have denied the rumors. So, I mean, well, who knows? Have you and Taylor Swift denied that you're dating? So. Um, I will go ahead and do the classy thing and deny the rumors that Leland <laughs> just started. I have not dated Taylor Swift. If I was dating Taylor Swift, you know about it. Um, what about Halsey? I haven't heard you deny that. If I was dating Halsey, you'd know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's not <laughs> happening either. Um, but yeah, uh, it's that was something. Honestly, like when that came out, I was like, "They're way apart on age, aren't they?" And then I was reminded that I am the same age as Taylor Swift, which has hey, been true my whole rumor. life, and I just don't remember that being the case. I'm the same age as LeBron. Actually, I'm a I'm a touch older, but he's like in the same. Same area. Yeah, I think I'm a year older than Taylor Swift. Yeah. Or she just hasn't had her 34th birthday this year yet. I don't know. But, like, honestly, I'm just like, she's that old. I don't remember that. (laughs) I remember watching freshman year of college. I was watching LeBron's first game in the NBA. So we're in the same same grade, I guess. (laughs) Wow. Um. All right, so the thing that I texted you or forwarded you, and I think this was... I sent it to you. You sent it to me? Mm -hmm. I still thought it was one of the more surprising things, (laughs) headlines that we had exchanged in a while. The Bama baseball coach was fired because of an investigation surrounding his involvement with gambling on the Alabama baseball team and using a proxy with a guy in Ohio gambling in Cincinnati where they have a casino right there at the baseball park. And uh, they had it. I mean, they have a lot of things in place to try to catch situations like this. And that system worked and they got him and the school immediately fired him. Um, I want to dig more into that, but that athletic department is a mess because the last two times we've said very, 
strong statements or surprising things. Like, this guy deserved to be fired. That's very strong for us to say. You know, fired midseason, crazy. They're coming out of the same athletic department. I mean, and that makes Nick Saban look like uh, like a fine gentleman. And like you've made Alabama with their other hirings and who they have in their in those head coaching roles, have made Nick Saban look like the straight laced guy and you know that adult in the not the snake that he is. So good on Alabama to turn Nick Saban into the good guy. Uh, but what a mess down there. But on the baseball side. I mean, this is, I guess, it's the equivalent of point shaving. So it's like run shaving. Like the coach was making decisions to keep that game close with LSU and betting on it <laughs> at the time and then sending word for bets at the time. Crazy. Craziness, craziness. We'll find out more and more about it, I assume, at some point. But just a bizarre story that I, I mean, I just hadn't seen a headline like that before. So that was, that was something. Yeah. And, you know, it's, It is bizarre. This is, why we can't, this is why we can't bet on Virginia Tech in state here. Like right. that, this this is the kind of reason. This guy still found a way. You know. Yeah, he called he called somebody God in Ohio. still found a way here for this gambling. But like this is why that rule's in place where you and I can't it's, bet on Virginia Tech. It's, it's just an unbelievable amount of money, but it, it this is why. Yeah, it's just weird. It's weird. It was a bizarre story when I read it and you know, it goes back to the the whole thing of this is the dark side, right? Like, and this, the people who are against gambling, this is the kind of thing they point to. And this is what's going to corrupt it. Now, before sports gambling became li- widely legalized, was there point shaving scandals? Was there throwing games? Yes. Absolutely. The Chicago Black Sox were a thing when sports gambling was not a big deal in this country. And. Boston College, Arizona State, um, other schools have had point-shaving scandals without sports gambling being widely available to people outside of Atlantic City and Las Vegas. Um, So I understand that concern, but again, I, I don't... We've had that without it being widely available. But this story is just bizarre in the fact that I think a lot of people are learning a lot about what the sports books are able to track and how quickly they can find who's wagering on what. And so I think this is a bit of a wake-up call for people that might be thinking about, we talked about the NFL players who got suspended and some got cut by the Detroit Lions because of it, um, a.k.a. the players that they don't think are worth it. Um, yeah, with any those spots filled, yeah. And now you see this coach get fired. This is something that, honestly, I, I do think it does not matter what your name is or who you are. If you get caught with this, you will be fired. And I think that is yeah. because of yeah. the integrity of the game aspect. And because of the sports books would put pressure on them. Because if the sports books don't feel like this is on the up and up, they're not going to take money on it. Because that hurts their business. It hurts them 
because as I just said, there are people, there are opponents to sports gambling. Not all 50 states have embraced it. And some of the states that have embraced it, there are plenty of people who are against it. And the last thing they want is for reports of widespread fixing going on because that will shut that down in a heartbeat. And so they're going to look to get rid of anything that could harm them. They're going to put pressure on those schools or they're going to say, we're not taking bets on Alabama games anymore. And if people start to get, like I said, if people start to get the sense that this is going to be fixed, they're going to stop betting. And if they stop betting, then those companies lose money, go out of business. You start to see laws passed that it's not legal anymore and that will kill them. So it's I'm, crazy. It's crazy. Um, I, I can't believe point, that he was bold enough to try that. I'm to the point where I'm start. you know, he's gone. So like that's, that's behind us to a degree. My sites are starting to be on this athletic department as a whole and the AD that leads it. Like he's hiring these people that now, you know, two straight sports seasons, we're seeing a prominent coach, a, a coach of one of their major sports of the season making terrible decisions. And well, so I just, I, I mean, you're the guy hiring these people. And at some point, I mean, there's people out there that want to do this job and there's people out there that I, I just, I wonder when the other people at the university look at this and just like, we're going to, we have to separate ourselves from the people that have put these people in charge. And so I, I just, I, I wonder when that becomes the conversation. Like, and we, you and I talk about this sometimes when they hire coaches with checkered pasts, and we've made comments about a particular school in Lynchburg, Virginia, that hires some people with troubling history. And maybe it's not gambling, but Hugh Freeze had some very checkered histories, and I think what you're going to see in terms of this, this is something that no AD is going to tolerate. Like, if you gamble, you're going to get fired. It is very specifically in the NCAA rules, you cannot do this. So that's why Alabama, as soon as they got wind of it, Alabama's like, all right, he's toast, see ya. And yeah. it, if Nick Saban got caught doing it, they would be like, Nick, you're out. Yeah, no questions yeah. asked. I, I, agree. And, I agree. And I think, I think that is a mark that a lot of colleges will not add. Like, they won't, that will be something they can't overlook, which is, again, for the integrity of the game, right. for the integrity of the game point, I get it. Now, when you compare it to, you know, covering up sexual assault or domestic violence or, in Urban Meyer's case, maybe knowing some murders going on and trying to hush hush, like, it's sad that those people are still entertained with job offers. Um, and I think speaks to maybe yeah. a problem that we, do have in the win at all costs mentality that college sports creates. Um, but this is one that they just, they cannot abide. They cannot abide it. Yeah. Well, again, if you're making Nick Saban look like a saint, probably done something bad. And, else, and to be uh, fair, like, I don't think, I, I don't think Alabama is the only program in their conference hiring people. You know, when we say stuff like, wow, what is going on there? Why didn't you fire that person? Why didn't you fire that person? Why did you hire this person? Why did you hire that person? There's plenty yeah. of people in a, in the SEC and plenty of people in other conferences where I sit there and I'm like, I don't get it. 
Well, I mean, this comes off the heels of where I, with what happened with the basketball, I mean, you and I. I know, were I know. That's, makers that's easy to look that, at them right now. But yeah. again, Hugh Freeze is back in the SEC, isn't he? Yeah. Hugh Freeze is back in the SEC, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so, again, I don't get it. Um, I hate Art Bryles with a passion. I am still not going to be shocked if he gets offered a job in the future well, at, the a, AD, at a D1 program. Yeah, but his AD that was there for that is employed. So Yep. And, and again, I just... For anyone who presided in a decision-making role at Baylor at that time to have a job is beyond me because the level of cover-up that that was was upsetting. And and that goes back to high-ranking justices, judicial people that were prominent in the 90s in presidential issues then um, Mm -hmm. includes them too. So, yeah. Supreme Court's got some problems today, too. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. What do you know that I need to know? Well, what I know that you need to know is the Kentucky Derby happened. Um, yeah, I was I, I was able to watch it. We'll talk about that in a second. But I wanted to give a shout-out to my cousin who graduated from Radford University. Um, yes. And to all the college graduates out there this year, congratulations. High school graduates, you still got some time. But congratulations, assuming you make it across that stage and don't fall on your face here at the home stretch. Um, but yeah, it was a great time. Um, Radford university does something different than I don't, I don't think Virginia tech does this. I know JMU doesn't do this. JMU separates the colleges for graduation. So for instance, the college of arts and letters has their own graduation ceremony. The college of business has their own graduation ceremony. The college of health and human services, yada, yada. All have their own graduations. I would imagine Virginia Tech does the same. They have two ceremonies. You have one in Lane Stadium that's everybody, and then you go to your separate colleges at different. At a, um, oh, like, if JMU has one that's everybody, I didn't go. Um, yeah. I thought they. I don't know. If JMU I, I've has gone one, to JMU graduations for other people, they've only been the individual ones. So I, I believe you. Yeah, I. If JMU like, has, has one, one big one. At it's, first, and then you go to your college to get your yeah. Like, now I know if you graduate in December, like big the big speaker uh-huh. and everybody in there in their caps and gowns, but you don't get your diploma then. Then you go to your separate colleges and and do that. I would never participate in two, um, but I know that JMU in the December they combine everybody, but that's because it's a much smaller graduating class in December than in May. But anyway, Radford does the whole shebang at one. Yeah, on the quad. <sighs> mm-hmm. It was the longest ceremony of my life, but that's okay. We were there to support my cousin graduating. She did very well. Um, already has a job lined up at Radford University, coincidentally. Um, so at least she's getting her money back. Um, but yeah, it was fun. There was a person, uh, a graduate of Radford that, works at Tesla that did the speaking and that was a Tesla advertisement that we sat through. And (laughs) now I will say this, I'm not saying it was a scam by Tesla, but I will describe this to you and you tell me where the customization comes in. There was the joke made that 
everyone in attendance is getting a test, or, you know, all the graduates are getting a Tesla. And I was like, uh... and then it's, you know, a diecast Tesla. Okay. Ha ha. Now, that's not where the ha ha is, I guess. She says, this has been customized for the graduating class of 2023 at Radford University, which I thought, I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. They get the diecast car. And it's not like the mini Hot Wheels size. It's, you know, the kind of like the NASCAR next one up size. Still small, but I don't know the size of it. I didn't measure it. Anyway, that's not the important part. It is no wheels are on it. It is just the the body of the car. It is aluminum. And it is the color of aluminum. There is no paint on that thing. There is no nothing. They did an outline of a windshield and maybe the doors. I can't remember, but that would be about it. There's no paint. There are no discernible markings. There's no Tesla markings. No nothing. And when I, when we saw it, because my cousin comes out, shows us, I was like, um, it's cool that you got a gift. I don't remember getting a gift from the university other than the piece of paper saying, thank you for paying us tuition money. Here's your degree. Um, Please keep giving us money. Yeah. And that also came with a card saying, how much would you like to donate? Which I threw away, but I did say, she mentioned this was going to be customized. Is it customized in the sense that they did nothing to it or what? Because I, honestly, you could have said that was from the Ford Motor Company, and I would have been like, sure. I, I don't know. It was, it was odd um, to play off a Levitard joke. The customization is coming, and you'll never see it. That's the joke <laughs> Stu Gatz, when people bought those Teslas early, Stu Gatz is like, you're never going to get it. The Tesla never comes. And the ones that do come catch on fire. To which I told my cousin, I was like, well, it doesn't have wheels, so hopefully it won't catch on fire. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It was, that part was weird. The actual graduation itself was fine. Fast forward to the Kentucky Derby. Churchill I did, I did verify. Virginia Tech still does one big ceremony. This year, it's on Friday morning at 8.30. Uh, and then you have the Pamplin College is actually on Thursday, the day before, or two parts of Pamplin architectures at a different time you know like like i said i don't like that but anyway it's cool being elaine stadium with everybody graduating like that's that's a cool that's a cool time and i mean that's a building big enough to hold everybody so i guess i don't know but where was i kentucky derby churchill downs had a problem they had seven horses die this week um yeah on the track, which is not great. They had the favorite scratch the morning of the race, Forte, who I said should be the horse you bet on. So I then had to scramble, bet three horses, did a trifecta, none of that hit. The horse I wanted to win came in second, which didn't do me a lot of good. Um, But Mage ends up winning the Kentucky Derby. I think Mage is going to lose in the Preakness when Forte runs in the Preakness. 
Yep, um, yep. Because Todd Pletcher has already hinted at Forte running in the Preakness, assuming the injury ends up healing, uh, which was, was a bruised bruise, leg. It was a bruised leg, was. but given everything that had happened at Churchill Downs, Churchill down. It also sounded like Pletcher. Originally, it sounded like Pletcher withdrew the horse. And as you got closer to post time, and the more NBC was talking about it, it sounded like Churchill Downs told him, "You are not running the horse." Which I think is actually probably a good move by Churchill Downs. Because, again, seven horses died on the track that week, and that is not good. It's not good for Churchill Downs. It's not good for the sport of horse racing. It's not good for anybody. Uh, So, I don't know what's going on there. I know there is some blame on the trainers of the horses because I think two of the horses died of cardiac events. They were owned by the same trainer. Um, so there is questions on what exactly they are putting into that horse. Uh, and that's obviously a problem. Bob Baffert got in trouble for that. That's why he's not in the Kentucky Derby. And um, some of it is track conditions, you know, on the leg breaks and all that, um, but Mage won the Kentucky Derby. I Mage is not a triple crown horse, and I mean that's that's going to yeah. go in two weeks when they race in in Maryland. I did download the uh, DK Horse app. I don't. I did I don't, not. I, I still don't know if it's working right. <laughs> it's just not. It's not put together kind of the same way as what I'm used to on on the main sports betting app. So. But I'll bet on Forte coming up. I definitely will. As soon as I am able, I'm going to. And um, so that's that's what we're looking out for there. Yeah, I, I had one of the horses place, and that helped me. But that I still finished out under under where I started. So I have to yeah. make some of that back. Dale Jr. got it right, though. He was the only one. Well, look at him. On the When they do those celebrity picks – before the race it was almost dangerous i was watching it with dan the man who i went to the hall of fame with and uh, has been on the podcast Mm -hmm. and then uh the other joe joe bowman who Mm -hmm. listens quite a bit and uh right before it started they're like i think it's dan he's like there's three phil's my father-in-law's name being phil he's like you should be betting on that and i should have because we phil phil was working in my yard all weekend as hard as i was probably harder and uh, I should have bet on him. And so uh, right down the stretch when that when he was charging, I was like, oh, man, I missed my opportunity. But it didn't work out. Yeah, I know that horse faded there toward the yeah. end. But my horse had a terrible start. It was when the guy is saying the two favorites are next to last and last. I was the one that was next to last. And then yeah. that horse finally got around the pack, started charging late, but just didn't have enough time. And I don't know if. That horse was going to catch Mage. That's like a Japanese horse, like I was saying. Yeah, and that didn't work that out. No, it didn't. All right. Well, for more uh, horse talk, that'll be in two weeks. Next week, we will be closer to wrapping up the spring seasons, regular seasons for the Shenandoah district teams. And we'll probably dig deeper into some of our debates on where we think these teams will go. So make sure you tune in next week. Make sure your friends know. We are doing this podcast and we're talking about local sports and other sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. You can subscribe to us on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify. Or if you're listening to us a different way, tell them that way. 
And always, you can interact with us at Yak Sports <laughs> at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter or Facebook. Email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Love to hear your input. Um, and we look forward to talking to you all next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. 